This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. What's happening, you guys? Welcome back to the Let's Go Win Podcast. You're here for a hot topic. We have a really special guest coming in from Canada today, and he is going to help us with something that communication, man. He is one of the best. Brendan Kamarasamy, yes, I nailed it, is the founder of Master Talk and coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Brother, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Very good, brother. Thanks for having me, man. How are you? I'm great, man. I, I could not be better. And we're talking about free access to communication tools. So let's start there. What what tools are we trying to get to people? Because I love communicating. It's the, obviously, this is a big part of what I do for a living. But I love the fact that you're giving free out there to people that maybe they're not as fortunate. Tell me more about it, man. Absolutely. And and you're very good at it, I must say. So so for me, it all started in college and university jam. I went to business school. And the goal is never to be a YouTuber and executive. And, you know, the goal was to was to work in corporate, you know, to, to get a job and do all those fun things. So I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing baseball and rugby and basketball and football, I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. And then as I got older, Jam, I started coaching all the students in those university programs, not because I was a great coach, but because the alternative they had was a rock. So they picked me. And that's how I learned how to communicate and coach other people. And then by the time I graduated, I had the idea for Master Talk because I realized that everything that I was sharing with the students wasn't available for free for the world. So I decided to do something about it and it just turned into something I never could have imagined. Well, it's a skill, brother. I mean, look, even as much as I do speak for a living, preparing to go speak is somewhat overwhelming for me. That's why I love a podcaster easy. I get to talk with awesome guests. I just get to flow. But you have a skill set I'm hearing when you're doing presentations, whether it's for nerds or not, good idea, by the way. Um, talk to me about that. Putting together a a, a provocative, a, a entertaining, uh, a, a talk of value. How do you start to build that, man? Absolutely, Jim. So, so let's talk about presentation skills. Here's what I would say. We all know that the best communicators on the planet, especially keynote speakers, generally do one or two topics very, very well. Right, the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world, the Tony Robbins of the world, they're always doing the same presentation on repeat. But there's a way around it that allows you to get to the result even faster. And I call it puzzle. Communication, in my opinion, Jim, is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those uh, pieces of puzzles you used to do together as kids? It's like a toy. Right? The question you need to ask yourselves, Jim, is when we're working on a puzzle, which pieces do we start with first and why? And the answer is the corner pieces. Because the edges are easier to find in the box, creates an outline, and you work your way into the middle. But here's the problem. The problem is most of us do the opposite. We start with the middle first. We shove a bunch of content in the presentation. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And then the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so 
Thanks. Not the right approach. So practice like a jigsaw puzzle jam. Do the edges first. Practice just the intro. First 90 seconds of the pitch 50 times. Do it 50 times, not three times. And 50 seems like a big number, but it actually isn't because, you know, 90 seconds is that long. Same thing with the close. What's a great movie at the terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Do the close 50 times and then work your way into the middle. Interesting. Now, obviously, you weave stories into the way, even the way you started telling us about how you started doing this back in college. This is truly a, a skill set because it's it's bringing life to to what you're talking about. Very relatable. So how do people find these stories, Brendan? Because I know that sounds silly. I do. But I'm telling you guys, I'm being very vulnerable here. I have sat there and tried to do this puzzle piece he's talking about. And it's like, I'll go blank on figuring out stories. Mm-hmm. And we all love to hear stories. So how do you, how do you kind of go about that, your process? Absolutely, Jim. So there's different seasons of thought. And I love how vulnerable, especially given the success you've had clearly by the way that you're communicating. But but I would say it's really about which season of life you're in. So let me start with something that most coaches would disagree with me on that I strongly believe. The starting point is not stories. And I'll tell you why. The reason is because if you have the best stories in the world, but you're saying a bunch of filler words, you don't know how to look at people in the eye. Your vocal projection is off and your pacing is off. You sound like this. Once upon a time, I was 19 years old and I did these case comp. Like it just doesn't land. So you need to start with the beginning, which is doing exercises, which what I call the random word exercise. Pick a random word like tissue box, like paper, like marriage, like jukebox, and give random presentations out of thin air because it builds your resilience and helps you make sense out of nonsense. And if you can do that, you can make sense out of anything. So those are the little exercises I would begin. Because for me, JM, communication is juggling 18 balls at the same time. And the goal is to juggle one of them at a time. Now let's get into storytelling. Let's use Les Brown's quote here. Never make a point without telling a story. Never tell a story without making a point. And that, uh, you know, that that quote is like a nice play on words. And it's a bit confusing to a lot of us. So let me kind of simplify what Les is trying to say here, which is very simple. Every great story starts with the lesson first. And what a lot of people get wrong about storytelling jam is they go straight into the story, not the lesson. So you need to actually write a list of outcomes that you're super passionate about teaching. And then you tie the outcome to a story that you think defends the outcome. So for me, what's the best way of convincing people that anyone can be a great communicator? I've tried 50 different stories, and the one that works best is my crooked left arm, my bachelor's degree in communication. I mean, not even. My bachelor's degree in accounting and the fact that I grew up speaking in a second language so anyone can do it. Wow. So as you're talking, there's a couple things that came to mind. You talked about tonality. You talked about pace. You talked about eye contact. Obviously, there's a lot of nonverbals that go into this. Possibly, well, that's what you're discussing when the 18 balls are in there. There's a lot going on. As you're speaking, and you you, you mentioned the word land, because we've all, well, not all, I've definitely been in the room where I'm talking, and what I'm talking about is not landing. It is not hitting. And it's like, er, it's time for the pivot. How do you stay out of your own head and really resonate with the audience and maybe it's just but it but it is a thing that's happened and i think this is what scares most people from even doing it is 
Oh, heaven forbid if I go fail and flop on my face. But the truth is, how many times have I misspoke on this episode alone? Happens all the time. That's how we talk. But I'm curious, Brendan, how do you do that, brother? If it's not landing, how do you pivot so that you make sure it is being absorbed and the intention is is pure? Absolutely, Jim. And I love all your questions. There's so much great flavor there in context. So there's a couple of layers there that we can jump into. One is a philosophy that I just have as a thought leader, which is the following from a Navy SEALs guy. He says, we never rise to the level of the occasion. We always default to the level of our training. So I'm never a big fan of pivoting. I'm a much bigger fan of either eating the, the L or making sure that L doesn't even happen. So let me give you the more intense version of the random word exercise. Why is it so effective? It's as effective because you can deal with anything. If you talk about mangoes and avocados and mouse traps, when you go back to your area of expertise, sure, your topics might change, Jam, but you'll stay within the same prism. You'll stay within the same center, and you'll be a lot more comfortable. Why? Because you did the harder thing. Because you practice the harder version. Another piece of that that I teach is called question drills. We get asked questions all the time in our life, Jam. All the time. On a podcast, on TVs, uh, not on TV. Some of us might be on TV, right? Uh, at work, at school, in different areas. But a lot of us are reactive to those questions. We wait for the question to appear. We wait for the audience to ask us a question. So what happens? We get caught off guard. Whereas my perspective, especially because I started at a very young age, started coaching C-level when I was like, what, 22? So how did I overcome that? I just did the question drill 700 times. I locked myself in a room with the harshest critics I could find in my life. And they asked me every question about communication until it was absolutely bulletproof. And that's the piece is we got to prepare for the moment, not wait for the moment to come. But having said that, the last piece, I'll throw it back to you. You got to ask more questions to your audience. You know, this is the advice I tell people. You got to have dinner with your audience. And when I mean dinner, I don't mean virtual dinner. I don't mean Zoom call. I mean, sit them down and laugh with them, talk with them, collaborate with them for three to four hours and ask questions like, hey, Jam, if you had to remove one part of my speech today, what would you remove and why? If you were in my shoes, how would you communicate my ideas to the world? And my favorite, if you could introduce me to someone that you think would help refine and develop my ideas further, who would you introduce me to and why? So you get more ideas that are fresh. Uh, brother, at your age, and I don't know how old you are now, but 26. I was not thinking this way. This is pretty remarkable. So let me just go ahead and throw that out there. Um, man. So the feedback part, I love because you said the harshest critics, but I'm also guessing these are people that you trust. So you're saying, look, I'm going to go be vulnerable at doing this thing that makes people nervous for whatever reason. And we can get into that. But you're saying, look, invite the harshest critic, the people that you love and just go and, and accept that feedback. It's not personal. This is what you're asking for. You're giving them permission. So is that the idea is just, you know, your, your family, your friends, the people you trust the most and say, I need your support here. Give it to me. Absolutely. And the more people, the better. Of course, not everyone's feedback is weighted equally, but having more perspectives in the door really helps us. That's why I love having conversations like this, Jam, because my intention always whenever I'm on a pod is what can I learn from the host? What's one question, one facet, one angle of communication that isn't sharp in my game 
that the host is better than me at. And there's always something. And that's what helps us get better is that constant iterative feedback. The other piece that I think is a big miss in our industry is how do we get people motivated to even practice communication in the first place? Because to your point, Jam, which you're alluding to very well indirectly through your question, is, well, Brendan, how do we get people to even want that feedback, to even pursue all of the, the criticism? And this goes to something that nobody talks about in the industry, is when was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? Mm. We dream about our vacations that we want to go on, the expensive things we want to buy. But when was the last time we dreamed about a world in which we're a better communicator in it? That's why the question I always repeat over and over again, Jam, is a simple one. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? Because communication is so much more than being a keynote speaker. It's the way that you talk to your family. It's the way that you order food at a restaurant. It's the way that you travel and meet strangers. And once we realize that communication is about leading a more fulfilling life, that's when we take it seriously. You made one of my favorite points about communication and about public speaking. I, I don't know how many times I've said this, Brendan. When people tell me they're nervous about uh, public you know, speaking, I'm like, but you're doing it right now. When you're speaking with me, you are doing public speaking. I mean, that's just, that's reality. So you add a thousand, 10,000, whatever the amount of people, but you're still having a conversation. Is that kind of what you're coaching people to do is like, look, the way you and I are talking right now, go ahead and take that and apply it on any stage and it's going to, again, land, as you said, or stick. Is that kind of the idea? Absolutely, Jim. It's all about what are those little pieces that help us build momentum over time. And I love your analogy, which is, hey, you're doing it right now. Why don't you just do it in another context? I think it's a great piece. My version of what you said is a simple question that I repeat over and over again, which is what else is possible through communication skills? What else is possible with their communication skills? So somebody always, whenever they hear the random word exercise, they always say, I can't do it. So then when we force them to do it once or twice, and I encourage people listening to force themselves to do it, then they do it. And then you just ask them, well, I thought you said you couldn't do it. And you play with them a little bit. They go, well, I guess I could. And then eventually when you keep asking the question, they say anything is possible. That's one piece. The other piece is acknowledging that the fear will always be there. You know, I'm not going to be the person who's going to tell you today that I don't have any fear. It's just not true. It's just at a different level. Sure, on a podcast, I'm not stressed out anymore because we just do it all the time, me and you. But what I will say is if let's say me and you are having lunch in Florida and Elon Musk calls me and he says, you know, Brent, I really like your YouTube videos. Can you coach me tomorrow? I'll pay a million bucks and it'll be great. Would I be scared? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's always a level that we're all fearful of. So the goal is not to remove the fear, but rather think of it more like a boxing match, where the goal is not to remove the fear, but rather make sure that when your message and your fear meet in the middle of that ring, that your message gets the knockout punch, that your message wins the match. Yeah, those butterflies, by the way, I hope they never go away. That's the goods, dude. Like, I love that. That's the funny part. Whether I was playing sports or speaking, it's like, you want that there. That that means you're alive. All right. I want to talk about and maybe debunk some myths on and some of the things, because you've said a couple of times, like, you know, contrary to popular belief or experts say, you have some different thoughts on that. So 
let's let's debunk some of the biggest myths when it comes to public speaking because I think there's going to be some huge value here, and I cannot wait to hear your take on this. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many. That's what really gave me the confidence to be doing in the first place, honestly. So let's start with number one. Uh, picture everyone in their underwear. Okay, I'm I'm shocked that no one debates this. I go, okay, what if everyone's attractive? Then what do you do? You stare at attractive people, and then you get arrested? Like, is that what happens? Is So that doesn't make any sense. That's one. The, the second myth that I hear a lot is storytelling, storytelling, storytelling. Stories are important. But there's a sequence, there's an order how we're supposed to master something, not just throwing a bunch of things on a wall and hoping for the best. Whenever we want to learn how to cook, we don't go to a recipe, we learn how to chop. We learn the basic techniques first. But that ordering, that sequencing, that nuance isn't talked enough about in our industry. That's myth number two. And the third one is that the fear of communication is something that everyone just has. No, that's not true at all. Be, the reason we're all scared of communication, I don't think it has anything to do with the medical thing except in some very circumstantial situations. I think in most cases, it's normal that we're all fearful of communication. Why? Because the way that we learned it was crappy. Think about it, Jam. Where do we learn how to speak? We learn how to speak in the education system. High school, elementary school doesn't matter where you live. That's where you learn. But the problem, JM, is all three, all those presentations have three things in common. They're all mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, JM, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that, <laughs> right? Number two, they're always different. It's never, Brendan, JM, what are you guys passionate about? Do you care about winning, competitive greatness, podcasting? No, you, you, you actually got to talk about Shakespearean poetry and get over it. And number three is every presentation is tied to a goddamn punishment. If you don't do a great job, you don't get a pat on the back in the education system. You get a slap in the face. And that's what we're putting our 12-year-old kids through, our 14-year-old kids through, and all of us through. So what's the conclusion? We grow up believing that it's a chore and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. Yeah, no kidding. So my second book is literally called Champions Daily Playbook, as in play, not a workbook. No one wants more work, guys. You want to play. Uh, you do something, and I, this has to be something that is skilled, something you've learned. You use my name frequently. So I'm guessing I asked you, let's debunk some of them. Let's talk about some of the things people can really apply to become more uh, efficient as a communicator. Because obviously, whenever you say my name, whether if I'm not fully engaged, all of a sudden I am. And it's like, so these are some of these learned skills that you clearly are demonstrating while you're doing it. Absolutely. And I appreciate that, Jam. Yeah, these days I just do that subconsciously, but happy happy to explain it. So Dale Carnegie says it best. He says, the sweetest sound that any human being can hear is the sound of their own name. So when you repeat somebody's name over and over again, what you're doing is you're making them feel heard, special, and understood. So there's a few things that this does. That's the first one. The second is it helps you remember the name. Obviously, it's easier for me because your name is written there. But if we were meeting in person, I would still do the same thing because it helps me retain the name. And that's the second piece. And the third one, to, and you mentioned it so well, is it gets people's attention. When you get called your name, you immediately refocus. And a bonus tip that I can give is this is what I do a lot of my virtual calls, where every few minutes, I literally see the name of everyone who's listening, as long as the audience is small enough. If it's 20, 30 people, you can do it. Obviously, 200, harder. But the key is you want to try your best. Even if sometimes you might mispronounce the name, just the fact that you're trying with their name is actually more valuable, I've found throughout the years. Which, by the way, I 
kind of got his last name right. And that was going in. That was a focal point for me. Um, <laughs> totally fun. Uh, it's so good. So I, I love the question, and I'm going to steal it, by the, by the way. What else is possible if I communicate better? It's, it's just such a great question because you mentioned it, man. From from you know our relationships to our to our spouses to our kids to our friends, if you can communicate better, and that's what you're talking about. That's why I love what you're talking about. It's so practical in everyday life, brother. I just want to give you open form. Anything I didn't know enough to ask you, and you're like, I got to share this before we kind of wrap things up. Well, first of all, Jim, it's such a pleasure to be on your show. I love your energy, love your your vibrance and your enthusiasm. So thanks so much for having me on. This is a pleasure. And, and what I would say is the final thought for me is don't sidestep the first question. You know, often what happens, JM, is what I say, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? They usually respond with, oh, that's a cute question. <laughs> you know, JM brought on this, this, this person and he's sharing this very motivational question. But here's the mistake most of the people listening are making right now is that they're not taking the question seriously. They aren't actually booking 15 minutes, not 50 minutes. I've spent seven years thinking about the question, but you don't need seven years. You need 15 minutes. Sit down and go, well, how would my life change if I was an exceptional community? Let me just play this out for a few minutes. Because for all of us, and that's what I love about comms, is that for all of us, the answer to the question is different. So for you, it might be to be a world-class podcast host, to be a world-class thought leader, though I'm sure you already are. But the other piece could be for me, get better at interviews, get better at uh, delivering better for my clients. But if somebody's listening to this, it could be as simple as being a better mother for my children, having a better relationship with my kids, and making the waiter feel comfortable that night because he's he's going through so many hardships today and he has to deal with so many shitty customers so so the, it, it depends what that reason is but once you find it you'll do the random word exercise you'll do the question drills and you'll actually take action on all of this yeah brother i can get behind what you're doing it's so cool you are helping people so obviously we talked about master talk what's the best way to people can connect with you. You're providing this amazing service. So much of it is free. It's it's incredible. So where can they connect with you, Brendan? Absolutely, man. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just type master talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas. And number two is come to one of my live trainings on Zoom. So I do a free training every three weeks. It's a 90-minute call. It's fun. It's live. It's interactive. It's not some boring webinar. And I facilitate it so you can see the tips in action. And if you want to register, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Guys, I don't know how much a better offer I can give you. It's free. I mean, this guy is literally a world-class communicator at a very, very young age. And brother, I am so impressed with the way you show up. I love your communication style. So kudos to you. You're doing an amazing job. And thank you, man. It, it's just a wonderful, wonderful topic. I'm I'm so glad you're here. Likewise, man. Thanks so much for, for your energy. You definitely woke me up on an amazing Friday. So I can bring that energy to every other call I have today. So thanks for that. I appreciate you. Guys, go check him out. I don't know what else to say. This this guy is a master at communicating. We all can get better. I'm going to go check him out, do the live training with him uh, every three weeks. Why not? So until next time, remember to show up as you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. That helps us build this community, and that is what we are all about. 
building this community as big as we can, helping as many people as we can, and deliver as much value as possible. Be sure to head over to letsgowinpodcast.com for information on my coaching courses and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Let's Go Win 365. Let's go win and transcend in life. This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. 